Coming to you from the Barrier Islands Center on Virginia's Eastern Shore, this is Sharing the Mic with David Phillips. You can find this podcast on the BIC website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like and hit that subscribe button. Today, my guest is Sally Dickinson, recently appointed executive director of the Barrier Islands Center. Sally is at once an able administrator, film producer, educator, events coordinator, and wife and mother. Sally Dickinson, welcome to Sharing the Mic. I'd like to uh, first ask, are you native to the shore? David, I am not. Um, I grew up primarily in uh, Shaker Heights, Ohio. Really? Uh-huh. Outside of Cleveland. Um, I know Shaker Heights very well. Oh, you do? I did graduate work at Case Western Reserve. Okay. <laughs> neat. Neat. Yes. Yes. So my family's they're not from there, but my father w- uh, took a job there. So I mm-hmm. so we were there for about 18 years. Well, wow. um, Well, you've been part of the BIC for how many years? So I I started um, 16 years ago. Um, and I was I'm the was the director of education at the Barron Center, um, and I started in '05. How does it feel to be taking charge after having been focused on kind of one thing, now being responsible for the whole schmagegi? How how does that uh, feel to you? I'm thrilled and I'm honored to step into this new role. Laura allowed all of us to really work shoulder to shoulder with her over the years. Because of that, I I feel like I had my hand in a lot of the different areas of the of the organization. It doesn't feel like starting from scratch. Um, it just sort of feels like I'm taking the baton and and will hopefully continue to run with it. Are there any particular areas that you hope to expand on or kind of turn a corner and go in a different direction in terms of what has been and what could be? You know, I think the Baron Center is on such a wonderful path that um, that I think we will stay on that, on that course. Um, my heart is really in education, and so it's my hope that I will help the Baron Center continue to grow and expand in that area and engage and connect people of all ages. My first passion is really with, with students, with younger people, but I also have really enjoyed connecting adults with learning opportunities and classes and, and obviously, um, you know, learning the history as well. So you see this as much as a, a young kids kind of thing, education, as a total community kind of education in terms of maybe we could call it lifelong learning. Is that what you mean by that? I do. You know, I think that's one of the beauties of the Barrier Island Center is that it is a connector. It's I sort of see it as a like a hub of a wheel, and there's so many spokes that come off that wheel. Yeah, so I think to engage not only the children but also adults um, is is just a good path to go on. Now that you have a broader scope of responsibility, uh, what are the areas that you hope to explore and expand? You've done a good bit of history, especially with the children's books that Andrew Barber wrote, but can you just tell us 
what else there might be to explore and pay attention to? There are different areas with the school kids of different grades that we have focused on the past and other grades that I'd like to delve deeper and expand those. So we have, we started a uh, My First Field Trip program for local pre-K and kindergarten students. And they would come to the Bear Island Center four times a semester for, you know, really top shelf art and music, history, and manners lessons. So then by the time a local kindergartner, you know, graduated from kindergarten, they would have been to the Bear Island Center eight times. We saw how successful that program was, um, how much the teachers enjoyed it, the parents, and obviously the students. And so right before the, the pandemic, we started adding a grade level. So we added fourth grade and we started to get some fourth graders who would come. So now they'd come in pre-K, kindergarten and fourth grade. So it's my hope when the pandemic ends, we could get back to adding more schools and adding more fourth graders. And so in terms of growing the education program, in terms of for students, I would like to to see the Bear Island Center um, do more with middle and high school students as well. And also I've seen probably in the last five, five years, especially much more engagement with colleges and universities. They are coming to the Bear Island Center from colleges all over, University of Richmond, obviously UVA, Harvard. I think the word is getting out where it, that the Bear Island Center is a wonderful place to learn about the, the humanities, the people side of the, of the Barrier Islands. Wow. And that's very interesting. What disciplines in those colleges, uh, I, I'm assuming that uh, a certain discipline will bring a class or something to uh, visit the Barrier Island Center. Is it humanities classes or who's the audience there? Well, it's interesting um, because I think I think there's been a movement um, at universities about before um, different disciplines would be in silos. Um, and now you're seeing a lot more of realizing that, well, no, they really are not disconnected. So you have this, the scientists who realize that, you know what, art is a important way to, to learn, you know, to, to further science through art and um, to know about the, the geology of the Bear Islands, but also on the other side to know the humanities. Um, the people side, the human side. So, for example, we had a University of Virginia during their January break. They um, students have the opportunity to t do J terms, which are a three-week intensive class. And for several years, we had engineering students who actually they're engineering majors and they're taking an engineering class. But they would they would come to the Eastern Shore and learn about barrier islands, building on on a barrier island. Um, coastal resiliency, all that. And to really get the full picture, they would come to the Bear Island Center to learn about people who who um, were faced with coastal issues like hurricane storms. Um, Natural calamities. Yes, exactly. And then to add an even an int a more interesting part of that class was creative writing so that they would then, you know, after taking a tour of the Bear Island Center and reading different things, they would go home and or go back to their 
dorm here and and write either a, a piece of poetry, a piece of flash fiction or something that they would then present at the end of the J term class. So so that was that was a lot of fun. The sky is the limit about the of students that we can get deeper into. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now, are these students coming as a result of just coming to this? Let's use the engineers as an example. Did they come here specifically to the Barrier Island Center, or were they coming to do some engineering uh, research or something, and then the Barrier Island Center happened to be there? And yes. That's what, okay. Exactly, exactly. Um, yes, yeah, so I guess we would, we're, um, maybe are a good complement to a lot of different college courses and areas of study. What that does, of course, is once you've met these people and they see what's there, then you've got a relationship with them very directly and could call on that professor or whatever for future visits specifically to the Barrier Island Center. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That's wonderful. I'm really impressed with the six films that uh, Barrier Island Center has produced with Jim Spione. Uh, When I spoke with Laura Vaughn earlier, she said that uh, you might have something to tell us with regard to a new project. Can you talk about that at this point? Yes, I'd, I'd love to. We're very excited about this. So this will be our seventh film, Working with Jim. And... Um, we are. We decided this this time we're going to focus just on one of the barrier islands on Cobb Island and the Cobb family that settled there. Um, we are right now in the research and development stage, and um, and reading and and learning and and thinking about who we can actually um, sit down and interview. And of course, the Barrier Island Center has beautiful cob artifacts, uh, decoys, and an amazing set of photographs from Cobb Island. And so we, we really have a lot of the pieces there already. So um, we're getting ready to start our interviewing process. And he, they will, Jim and the cameraman come down um, several times from New York and we hope to get the filming done by this fall, and then the final film will be ready in the spring of 2022. Are these people that you're going to be interviewing, are they primarily descendants of Cobb Island residents? Yes, they are, uh, both. We're, we'll be interviewing some historians as well as folks that are Cobb descendants and who have a, a personal connection. And Because as Jim likes to say, it's one thing to have a historical film, but what makes it very compelling is to weave in that personal story, that personal connection. And so we always ask ourselves, why does this matter? And why is this relevant to, to people? I don't want to wish time away, but uh, I'm really anxious to see it. <laughs> um, were you a teacher before you uh, came to the Barrier Island Center? Tell us a bit about that, what you taught, and that sort of background. But then I'm curious to know just what got you to the Barrier Island Center and why You've been there for 15 years or 16 years. That's amazing. So I I went to, I was a history major in college. Um, I graduated from the University of Colorado in Boulder. And then I went right back 
and got my master's and teaching certificate. And so I taught in public schools out in Colorado and taught here at Broadwater Academy for a year as well. And then I stayed home for about nine years with our three children while they were small. And right about when our youngest was about preschool age, I got a call from Laura Vaughn. They were starting a new position. They wanted to start an education part of the Barry Island Center. She called and asked if I would be interested in doing that. And it was a wonderful time in my life. And I was really excited to get back into education and also sort of intrigued that maybe not in the classroom setting, but maybe I could offer something in, a, in another way. That's how, that's how it started. Also, as we were developing this, I was a young mom. I sort of thought about, well, would I like this for my kids? And if the answer was yes, we thought, well, then let's make it available to as many kids as we can. And so that's sort of the path that we went down. If it intrigued us or interested us, we thought, well, I bet other people might be interested in that as well. If there's four things that I love, it's children, music, art, and stories. Um, The fact that I have a job that incorporates all those elements makes me feel mighty, mighty thankful and, and very blessed. We have a community college here on the shore. And do you... Have you worked with the community college in any way, uh, or do you see a role for the community college? So again, that's an that an area that I'd love to continue. We do have a partnership with them, and they actually I, I just taught a class with a small group of students at the community college, and again, it's um, just a wonderful teacher who who reaches out and says, you know what, I think my students. Like they would have come to the Bear Island Center normally on a field trip. But uh, so she said, Sally, could you we just do a Zoom presentation with the with the students? And um, so we did that. And, you know, afterwards, you think that is so much fun. We just need to do more of that. And I would love to engage with more of of the local local um, young people, especially around that age. Yeah. Well, you mentioned one thing that, you know, this pandemic has been just a horrible thing for everybody. But it does have some upsides. And one of the things is this whole Zoom culture that we're now in. It seems to me that even though we'll be back, there's a whole new world out there of Zoom interactions that you can make use of in terms of working with your marketing plan or just expanding what you do. I mean, you could possibly have a, a class right there at the Barrier Island Center that is Zoomed and anybody in the world could get on and watch it. I think you're right. I think I think there will probably be some aspect of a hybrid model going forward. That um, So before when we used to have our monthly coffee hour lecture and 60 people we could get into a room. Now we can maybe do both, not only have uh, something be in person because that is so important and valuable and I look forward to getting back to that connection. But it also is mighty nice for someone in Richmond who'd like to hear that lecture to be able just to um, turn on their computer and and listen in too. So um, we probably aren't won't go back Totally. And and that's not such a bad thing. No, it's not. I th- you know, for every cloud, there's a silver lining. <laughs> well, we were talking about the COVID uh, pandemic, and it's really put the brakes on so much. But once we get back to normal or have gotten back to normal, what kind of events are in the planning stages 
to get back on track. Do you have any anything already kind of in the mill, ready to roll out? Well, so we we are starting back with our summer camps for, for kids. Uh, dur- the, during this whole time, we have done small classes, and so we will continue those, keeping the proper protocols in place and how much distance and, and everyone wearing a mask. We'll, we'll continue that until it's safe to not do so. We're also really looking forward to some of our larger events that we do, like the Oyster Roast, which is always oh, yeah. the last Saturday in February. That's a blast. And and my favorite art and music on the farm. So that will that's always the Saturday of Memorial Day. So although we are had to postpone it again this year, we're starting to set our 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 goals and our sights on on just making some fabulous events coming up. We also do a a neat event. It's called Meet the Carvers and we will hopefully be doing that this fall. And it is where you can, we invite a group of eight, 10 uh, local decoy carvers, and they bring not only some of their work that they've done in the past, but they're there. And so you can mingle, go up and and talk to the carver. Some are even um, actually carving, but it's a, it's a, wonderful way for people to get up close to that part of the rich cultural fabric that that is here on the eastern shore and and get a chance to talk to some really legendary carvers who are in our midst. Have you got anything else you'd like to share with us? Let's see. I guess one thing that why the Bear Island Center is is um has been so has, as someone said, wow, you're, it's really an institution now. But the, the one thing about the Bear Island Center is that um, all the uh, creative and talented and smart people that are affiliated with it in some way, for example, you know, I, I can't play a musical instrument, but it's so neat to, um, that we can engage someone who's incredibly musically talented or and the artists and the people who teach the classes their their various passions and and talents so it's a real pleasure to i guess be a connector for all those very talented people in our community um and i think that's what makes makes uh the eastern shore and the beer island center special i think you're right and i think the fact that you're not really located in any one of the small hamlets that exist on the shore uh, kind of gets away from sometimes the parochial aspects of this town against that town. You know, we do this better than you do. You're right kind of in the middle of it all in Northampton County anyway. And it's a good thing. For a while in my life, I worked for one of the city parks in New York City, Prospect Park, and it was an Olmsted Park who also designed Central Park. And his whole reason for being and reason for designing parks was that it was the great democratizer that everybody came to the parks and it didn't matter. And there was a great exchange of ideas and a lot of pleasure in going to the park. And in many ways, I think of the Barrier Island Center as as being sort of the Eastern Shores Park. I love that. I love that. I love that whole whole sentiment. Yes. What a wonderful thought. I really thank you for uh, joining me today. And uh, we will 
hear more from you, I'm sure. And we're looking forward to everything that's going to happen post-pandemic. That's right. Thank you, David. Thank you so much for asking me. Beyond. You're welcome. You have been listening to Sharing the Mic with David Phillips, produced by the Barrier Islands Center. Sally Dickinson, Executive Director. Laura Vaughn, Director of Donor Relationships. Kristen Dennis, Office and Marketing Manager. Grace Tankard, Assistant to the Executive Director. The Barrier Islands Center is located at 7295 Young Street in Machapongo, Virginia, 23405. The website is www.barrierislandscenter.org. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please direct them to bicpodcast at icloud.com. Until next time, when my guest will be Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter for The Washington Post, author of the new book, October Surprise, and Eastern Shore resident, Devlin Barrett. This is David Phillips. Stay safe and be well.